Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in relationships, we grow in discipleship, and grow in Jesus Christ. This series will be looking at the Shema passage that was repeated daily for the Jews in Deuteronomy 6, 4-10. We hope that you subscribe so that you can grow in your worship and obedience of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just to remind us, the Shema is what it was called. The Israelites would recite this passage every day as a people, as a family. This would shape what they believed. It would keep them grounded in the faith. Um, And so I've challenged us time and again, maybe try reading this daily. You know, I don't know what your practices are, if you can... Put a scripture on a post-it note or something in the mirror so you see it in the mornings. Um, Some way to remind you and ground yourself in the faith and in God's Word. This would be a good way to do it. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 10 is basically what we're calling the Shema. Our study will go slightly beyond that. This morning we're looking at the charge to parents. So we've talked about the content of the message we've talked about the our stature the love of god's law in our heart we've talked about last week diligence what it means to be diligent in this teaching we're going to read about so this morning we're going to focus um mainly in verse seven as we look at parenting and so i'll be reading the whole Shema passage, and I invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word, Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. Father, we come to you again this morning and ask that you just, Lord, that you reveal your word to us. Lord, it's by your grace we're saved and it's by your grace that we're made into the image of your Son. Every person here needs help. Needs supernatural help in parenting as with everything. And so God, as we read this word this morning, we pray that that there's not a weight placed upon anyone that is unbearable, but that they feel the ever-present help that comes by your spirit through your word in the name of Jesus Christ. And so God, already I know that there's a number of parents that are here And all of us, our children here, 
Lord, help us in this. To see you. To experience you. Not here in the sermon, but daily within our homes. Within our families. Lord, that you would renew us to faithfulness. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. It's a rather simple outline this morning. There's just, we just need to talk through parenting. Whenever I was growing up, now there's a number of stories that could come to mind. Whenever I was growing up, uh, we lived with my papa. Uh, it was my mom's dad. He, he was in the house the whole time. We lived in the house that my mom grew up in. Uh, that's the house I grew up in. Uh, he built it. Um, so he was always around. Um, and so I run around with him, did whatever, you know. And so I wouldn't call my papa a gambling man. Um, aside from like the occasional lottery ticket or, uh, you know, saving his the nickels from his pocket change so he could play cards with his brothers on Sundays. Um, but one day, at the ripe age of six or eight, somewhere in there, I thought I was going to try my hand at gambling. Now, I know I'm a Baptist pastor, so please show me grace. <laughs> but I thought, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gamble. Uh, what should we gamble on? And... Uh, so Papa was happy to oblige me. And he said, well, why don't we pitch jugs in a bucket? Fair enough. Got us a five-gallon bucket and uh, gathered up a bunch of water jugs. He had rabbits and pigeons and all kinds of stuff, so it wasn't very hard to, to get some pretty quick. So we set the bucket out there so far and uh, said, well, you go first. And I threw that first jug and, and just... Man, bounced one right off the edge. I thought, oh yeah, this is going to be good. I think I'll get it. And uh, the rest of the event, I remember, is something closer to like a carnival scene. I missed all of them. And uh, it seemed near impossible to me. And then I watched Papa put all of his jugs in the bucket. There might have been one bounced out whenever it got too full of jugs. And... He didn't take my money that day, but he told me, son, never bet a man in his own game. Now, certainly, I learned something about gambling that day, but I think he saw that as an opportunity to speak at a number of levels. I think he used something so simple, instead of just a, a, a cold comment, he gave me an experience that I can reflect on and maybe apply to a number of things like don't wager on chance. Be cautious for what you don't know. Protect your investments. Avoid pride. Never underestimate an opponent and probably many more if I spent the time to think about it. Perhaps some of you have had similar experiences 
similar stories that you remember or conversations that stick out in your mind or a life lesson from a parent, grandparent, or that special uncle. The goal of me telling that story is not to insert some worldly wisdom into this passage, but it's just to show us the high calling of parenting. And I lump that in. Any of that that sort of teaching, that advice, those life lessons, speaking wisdom into those children around us. This text shows us the high calling of parenting. These times of instruction are moments that we enjoy to remember. We love to reflect on, on these conversations and, and often, at least in my case, I wish that I had more conversations. I wish that I had an opportunity to hear more stories, especially from those family that have passed, Papaw being one of them. You know, I think of Rachel's granddad and her grandmother that I would sit with daily. Surely you all have experiences like that. We, we must remember the relationship. Whenever we come to this passage and we're, we're honing in on verse 7, thou shalt teach them diligently, speaking of the law of God. They're having all of the law of Moses given to them again to Israel before they entered into the promised land. They were an unfaithful people. They're being restored to God's word and they're given all of this law of God as a lesson, bringing them back, building up their character. And so it's the relationship that characterizes the instruction. As from a father to a son, God says, teach these things to your children. It's a bond of love. I've talked about that before, those moments when you have the unexpected questions on the road to vacation or, or at 9 o'clock at night when you wish everyone was already in bed, including yourself. But it's our relationship that characterizes all of this. It should be a joy to instruct our children and it should be a joy for our children to receive instruction. Sometimes that doesn't happen. I mean, we could probably stop there and realize we're, it is not a joy for us to instruct our children. And our children aren't enjoying it at all very much either. Maybe that's just something for you to think about later this week. More important than how to tie a tie or a fish hook on a line, how to treat a woman or drive a car, a man is to teach his son how to love the Lord, how to observe what he commands, how to provide an example of how to lead his family. My goal is not just to lead my family but to lead in such a way that my children know how to lead their family. More than how to braid her hair or how to cook, 
Our daughters need to be taught to glorify God in everything. In their dress, in their talk. How to submit to God first. And their husband second. Mothers provide an example of what it means to be a strong woman. Steadfast in the face of a world that despises, I think, the picture of a godly woman as described in Scripture. In everything, we're to teach our children. Israel would be going into the promised land and they're going to do life. They're going to work. They're going to relate to one another, discipline their children. They're going to put food on the table. They're going to cook. They're going to clean, uh, hunt, prepare, whatever it takes. And they're going to do all of that normal, ordinary stuff according to the law of God. It's for all of life. We need to teach our children. And as one pastor has said it, it was something like this, that your children are being discipled. You just get to decide by what? By who? Think of this, and maybe some of the students here or, or, or those that, that have that fresh in their mind can help me. You know, the student has a long day. They wake up early um, and begin their studies uh, a specific study, what equates to something very near an eight-hour work day, five days a week. Um, many students are involved in extracurricular activities. You know, as they go on the, the way, uh, they're, they're also you know, still outside the home um, receiving instruction all the while. Surely any coach knows knows that and, and tries to instruct. Um, and then by the end of the day, they finish the day with sleepy thoughts, maybe reflecting on the day prior or uh, pondering what the following day would bring. Maybe uh, they still have to finish up some of their study still yet, being discipled all the more in the home uh, from whatever their studies were. Uh, prior to that, they uh, maybe have to think about all their relationships and what they'll bring in their normal context. What I'm getting at is that your children are being discipled in their homes as they walk along the way, when they lie down and when they rise up. They're being discipled. There's constant input. And I would argue in our age, there's more input into us, all of us, than there ever has been before. Accessible 20 hours a day, entertainment nonstop uh, in our pockets so they are being discipled. It's just not always by the word of God. 
Sadly, it's not always by the parents. Remember, it's not a begrudging task, contrary to what many have been trained to believe. I've had parents tell me, I only see my children, have my children on the weekends, and I don't see how you do it. We've heard that. Um, It's unbearable to have a weekend with them. And Lord forbid, uh, we don't have a nursery program and and your child has to sit with you under the teaching of the Word of God. That's pretty regular. Churches have contributed to this. I'll never forget whenever we decided as a family to to prioritize this in in, in raising our own children unto the Lord. Um, Things changed. Something happened. Instead of tolerating one another after an exhausting day for them and for us, My wife began to find love notes hidden under her pillow. My children were excited to tell me about what it is they had learned or something they had seen or something they had made. Things changed. Just in being present and offering ourselves to our children, just an effort to be obedient to this passage right here, Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. We still get exhausted, but it's a sweet thing. And we really need to remember our discussion from last week when we talked about diligence, what it means to be diligent, to work hard six days and rest on the one. Because we teach these things, it's not nonchalantly. We certainly do teach these things and we do it diligently. And so it is difficult. It's not easy, but it's good. It's what the Lord commands. We don't always get it right, but we must, for all of us who are parents here, we must devote ourselves to this teaching. This is what... Joshua is summing up the entire law of God to the entire people of God before they enter the fulfillment or the partial, at least, the immediate fulfillment of the promise of God. And he says, all this law, it's important by itself, but what's equally, what what cannot be separated from it in importance is the fact that you're going to teach this diligently to your children. Sunday nights we've talked about how this really is a generational command and all all of God's commands are generational. There's an expectation that this command is going to continue. We've got to devote ourselves to this high calling and perhaps... The more haunting question is if we don't, if we don't tell them of this word of God, who will? 
God certainly uses the family. In evangelicalism, I've got a number of worthless books that I could give you on evangelism tactics, missional goals, outreach efforts. All the while, many children of Christian parents do not share the Christian faith. Said in meetings, assessing this very problem. What about our children? How do we bring them into the service? How do we make them one with the church? Do we add another class? Do we add a collegiate class or an alumni class or a young adult class or like a young, young adult class? Children need the gospel. And if you as parents, if they're not hearing it from you, their parent, then that's going to be very difficult for me to try to convince them. If their parent who believes in the gospel does not teach these things to their children diligently, Well, it's understandable that they would think you and I are a fraud. How are they to hear these words? And so if you see that second little heading, how beautiful are the feet of godly parents, the question, how will they hear, alludes to the passage in Romans 10. Verse 13 through 16. First, Paul writes, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I don't want to jump over that or skim over that because that is our message. We apply it in the home and without from the beginning and the end of every day. So whenever we, we have a much fuller picture of the promises of God, we understand that the promised land takes us straight through into Jesus Christ. We understand that that is the fulfillment. That's the, that is the return to, to Eden, the tree of life. The, he's, he's all in all. And so that is our message. Our children need the gospel. Whenever we give them the law of the Lord, we would be foolish if we understood that as Christians in our day as not including the law fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we explain the gospel to them. Well, Paul continues in verse 14, how then will they call on them who they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The gospel certainly goes forward. How will they hear? Someone's got to preach. But brothers and sisters, Paul's not writing. This isn't a pastoral command. This isn't, this isn't a, a text out of 
First Timothy or Second Timothy or Titus, where God is training a young elder how to lead a church. This isn't a pastoral command, it's a great commission. How will they hear as he writes to the church in Rome? How will they hear? Well, it's got to be preached. It has to be taught. They'll never believe unless they're first taught. Someone must preach, and who's going to preach unless they're sent? It seems to me our passage says, teach these things diligently to your children. If you are a person of this Word of God, this is your command. It is your commission. You've been sent. So given the exhortation of Deuteronomy, the parent is the preacher of the good news at every junction throughout the day. Teach these things diligently to your children as you sit in your house, when you walk along the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. There's nothing left. That's in and out and beginning to end, start to finish. There's no place left for you not to teach these things to your children. No place left. It should be a happy realization, but there is implied risk. What if you don't teach your children all that God has commanded? Now, there are loads of examples of that, a number of tragic examples in Scripture. One is concerning Samuel and his children. It's in 1 Samuel 8. 1 through 5, if you're making any notes. 1 Samuel 8. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel. The name of the second, Abia. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel, uh, came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Samuel was a faithful prophet, but he was a poor father. He didn't teach these things to his sons. He failed to raise them in the Lord. He counted his prophet prophetic duties as somehow more important. I think I may have mentioned the reason in the weeks prior to this, the reason for that is a qualification for pastors. Let him rule his household well. If he doesn't rule his household, how will he rule the flock of God? He did not raise his sons adequately in the Lord. Now, this sometimes happens. His sons do bear responsibility in the matter. But look at the ramifications of such disobedience. Israel recognized the hypocrisy. You're a prophet. You've led us well. But your sons have not 
coming the way after you. They've not, they're not following in your steps. They don't take the faith. They're, they're, they're taking everything for selfish gain. They're not fit to rule, to judge, and they're certainly no prophet of God. But their response is chilling. Their response was to deny the Lord. If you go back maybe later today and read more throughout 1 Samuel, you're going to see they asked for this king, let us be like the rest of the nations. God said they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Friends, our day is wrought with the hypocrisy of a generation that cries for freedom yet despises those who fight for it. And yet the response of broader evangelicalism is to become like the rest of the nations. Become more diverse like worldly organizations. Give a criteria. Uh, Run it like a business. Be successful. Take care of your image. Do some better PR. Purchase this platform so that you can market yourself well online. Let's be a little more like the world. Because the prophets of the church have been disobedient. They've not trained their children. We reject. We reject them altogether. The church at large is rejecting the one who has already provided sufficient redemption in Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can be taken away or added to Him. And I cannot help but think that all of this, all that we witness within within evangelicalism, the church abroad, all that we witness within the, the struggles within church life in our own community has something to do with unfaithful parents. I've said it before. I hear We hear it a lot about this, this young generation. They're so ungrateful. This young generation doesn't know how to work. This young generation that does not care. Who are their parents? Who were the parents that raised a generation that they think is so lazy or or that doesn't care or does not work? Where were the parents at? So doesn't it do any good for us to point the finger... Now, at our children, at ourselves, or at our parents. Or the goal of this passage isn't to point fingers. The only response fitting when we read this passage is repent. Repent. Israel was unfaithful. If we spend some time reading in Deuteronomy, they had to all be circumcised, all the males. Why? Why did that happen? Because their parents failed to have them circumcised on the eighth day. Forty years of wandering through the wilderness. Their parents were unfaithful. So what? Repent. 
Observe this law. Teach it to your children. Don't fail the same way you did in the past. Take back our families. Offer one another scripture in the morning. Pray throughout the day. Praying alone is great, but don't neglect praying as a family. Enjoy every subject in light of God's Word. It's, it's true. We, we have studies. God, God equips us and, and, and He call, commands us to have dominion. So yeah, we learn from the light of nature. Learn your math, geometry, and physics, but show your children the mind of God in creation in those things. Tell them of God's faithful intervention through the course of their history studies. Walk them through the importance of language in His Word. Let them experience the beauty of the poetry in Scripture and the valor of godly warriors in biblical narrative. Do everything as unto the Lord. There is no compartmentalism. Nothing is off limits. Show your children the rod of discipline but allow them to experience grace. Let them experience your unmerited favor as well. Be an example of repentance to your children. Ask forgiveness from them when you're in need of it. Your children need this teaching and the world benefits from your teaching your children. I saw a quote uh, from Paul Washer. And I, I, I don't have it verbatim, but he said something like this. He was quoted, when is the best time to plant a tree? 30 years ago. Since you enjoy the fruit now. When's the, the next best time, the second best time to plant a tree? Now. So if you've been neglectful of God's Word, stop being neglectful of God's Word. The point I'm making in tying his quote to this is that there is not a family here who hasn't suffered because of failure or laziness in diligently teaching these things to our children. More importantly, there's not a family here that is out of reach of the grace and goodness of God when you repent. Repent of your sloth. Return to diligence. Teach your children all that the Lord has commanded and all that the Lord has done in Jesus Christ. This is the most important thing. If there's not another straight A report card, if there's not another win or another ball game period, if your life isn't filled with loads of new friendships, regardless of how shallow they may be, let the word reign in your household.
If you're a parent, join your spouse. Preach Christ to your children. In your home, along the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. If your spouse won't join you, do it anyway. And then call Brother Chad or me so we can call them to repentance as a church and be all the more faithful to Scripture. This is our duty. And, and, and I will tell you, I've been that person. I've been that, that poor, I've been that, that angry parent. Um, short-tempered, I've been selfish with my time, I've done all those things. But by God's grace, I've also been that parent who's asked forgiveness and repented before my wife and children. And you will experience, your family will experience something wonderful even more wonderful than had you done it right the first time, I think. This, it is our duty. It's our mission. And brothers, especially to the men out here, it's our first mission field. It's our first mission field. Father, we come to you And Lord, we recognize that in a, lot of, in a lot of cases, Lord, we're suffering sin on this issue. Lord, we ask that you grant us repentance. Lord, that, that you give us a desire to study your word, to obey your word. Lord, that your son and your spirit be made manifest in us that we be made able to obey. Lord, I pray for our families this morning. I pray that we take all of these, that that becomes our first and greatest outreach is within our homes. Lord, that you give us a zeal and a heart for our children to love them, to teach them. Lord, to draw them in, to listen to them, to learn from them as they grow and as you call them to yourself that we value them not as a burden but as image bearers. Lord, and if by your grace they believe as brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I pray that this week is a, is a turning point for men in this building right now. Lord, that we would put away what is not contributing to your kingdom, what is not 
being diligent in this teaching of our children, what is idle in our speech and in, in, in our entertainment and in, in whatever else is a distraction, whatever is ungodly, unholy, and unhelpful in this endeavor. Perhaps for the men here who are short-tempered, Lord, that you remind them of the grace that you have shown them in Jesus Christ. Father, that their hand is not heavy in their stewarding of their, of their wife and of their children. But Father, that they care for this family you've given them as weaker vessels prized possessions of yours that they have only for a time. God, I pray for women here and in our families who have bought into the lie of loving self. Lord, that you remind them that it was in the sheer ugliness of their sin that you redeemed them. Lord, for the women here who have faced exhaustion seeking to be obedient to this passage, God, that you would lift them up Lord, that you would grow their relationship with their children and with their husband. That he would give himself for her and wash her in the water with the word that she be made whole and able to obey this command upon her life. God, I pray for the children and I think of even all of us, some of us who have, parents who have passed, Lord, that we reflect upon the faith that some of our parents have, have delivered to us. And even those younger that are here listening to this, Lord, that they, that they no longer live on borrowed faith, but Lord, that they would accept this faith as their own. Father, I pray that you unite each one of us, not as simply separate families, but Father, by your grace, you would call us together to yourself. That we would all be with you. That we would all experience the goodness and godliness of our heavenly Father. That we would experience Christ as firstborn among many brothers. And Lord, in all of this, we pray that we are satisfied and blessed, but more importantly, Lord, that you take the glory from everything that we do. 
We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, grow in relationships, and grow in Jesus Christ. Subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday.